This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey there. Yes, this is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, and I am Dean Holland. And uh, how are you this morning, Charlie? Good morning, Dean. I'm wonderful. It's bright and sunny and blue sky with fresh snow. <laughs> it it is, yeah. And I think we have some uh, we have some snow in the forecast. I was looking ahead, and it uh, seems to me that we're supposed to get snow, certainly up in my neck of the woods, for about the next three days or so. I know. Hard to believe it's March, but the days are certainly getting longer, so I know we're getting excited no matter what. They are, and I love it. I do love it. Sorry to interrupt, but the days yeah, yeah. get shorter today or tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow, I guess, technically. Yeah. <laughs> but again, most people do it before they go to bed, where they will, they will, you know, before they hop into bed, they'll put those clocks forward. We spring forward an hour. Uh, technically, I think it happens at around two or three in the morning. I think. Technically. Yeah, I think two o'clock stays two o'clock. I think. Or yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I don't Regardless know. of when you do it, we always feel it on Sunday morning. Oh, it just drives me crazy. I, I don't have time for a 23-hour day. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, we, we have trouble squeezing in enough, you know, all we would need to get done in a 24-hour day. So how dare they? There you go. Exactly. But uh, you know what? Again, I, I for me, the offset is that I know what's around the corner. I know that spring is coming. We're about, you know, what, we're 10 days away. Mm -hmm. And I love this time of year. I know that it's not for everybody. I know it's a bit mucky for some, but I love what I call mm -hmm. the big thaw because I know that what is ahead are, are longer daylight, you know, days yes. and warmer weather. And I get to wear my shorts again. So, and the flowers are coming up. So I love, love, love this time of year. Oh yeah. I can't wait for the mosquitoes. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I could do without those. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, right, so, so have, have you got some, you know what, I know we have some announcements. Numbers. Yeah, I'm going to give the numbers first. Yeah, so uh, if you live in Toronto, uh, the number is 416-360-0740 or anywhere else in the province of Ontario. It's a toll-free number, uh, 1-866-740-4740. And, of course, we'd love you to let Carlos know uh, if you're a first-time caller because then he will let us know and then I will give you... Your garden wings, which is always a treat to do, and yeah. uh, we want you to call often. Please, please, please call early with your questions, and one question per call, please. Okay, you have an announcement. I have an announcement. Yep, yeah, and these are ones that we mentioned last week, but just to remind everybody, uh, March the 12th, so coming up tomorrow at the Toronto Botanical Gardens, the Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society will be meeting uh, one from one o'clock to four o'clock in the afternoon. The speaker is a woman who spent a whole month in New Zealand tramping around far up into the Alpine uh, mountains and hills with some very cool people for, like I said, an entire month in New Zealand. And her name is Susan Chater, or Ch Chater, I believe, and she will be presenting Botanizing in New Zealand. Oh, I love that. I uh, I have relatives in New Zealand. So I, uh, in fact, I have a cousin who just posted something yesterday on Instagram. And he's, uh, he, yeah, so, uh, so, and he was born in England, but he's visiting other relatives of ours in, in New Zealand. Beautiful country. Nice. 
I'd love yeah. to go there someday. Yeah, we'll have to go. We'll have to yeah, go. Let's do it. Okay. And then I have something from the Agent Court Garden Club, which we talked about last week. They have an in-person meeting. It's happening at the Knox United Christian Education Center, uh, which is uh, 2575 Midland Avenue um, off of Rural Avenue. And, uh, and the headliner is a gentleman by the name of Scott Kennedy who will teach us about the history of Don Mills. And there'll be questions at the end. And uh, uh, they have uh, upcoming, uh, they'll have upcoming events. And it's this is good for both novice gardeners and uh, for your expert gardeners. Okay. And, uh, and hey, I love also seeing that there's going to be socializing and light refreshments always gets, you know, gets me <laughs> up too. So yeah, agent court. There you go. Good stuff. Okay. Um, so we should go to our first pause now, but uh, we will be right back with much more here on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. So I think my uh, my goal in life, Charlie, is to have every one of the flowers that we hear in that song. <laughs> I want all of them in my garden. I think I have a good portion of them, but not all of them. Oh, well, so I don't think go. I don't think I have hollyhocks. I'm pretty sure I don't have those. As long as you got lots of sun, you can pull those off. Okay. Uh, my question before we go to our first caller is: Remind me what will be some of the very first flowers that we will? There are some that actually push up through the snow. They are so anxious to get out. What will that be? Snowdrops. Snowdrops, okay. Right through the snow. Yeah, so that's it. I mean, early spring bulbs. Early spring bulbs, okay. Excuse me. Yes, indeed. Very, very important. We need to, as gardeners, provide flowers, because, of course, flowers are full of pollen and nectar. We need to provide as early in the season and as late in the season as we possibly can, because every season is a new season, right? Obviously, we're going to have a late spring this year, uh, but some springs, I mean, the there's all kinds of bulbs blooming right now in the middle of March. So the insects, the birds, it's all, you know, they, they tra- travel with the weather. So we have to be supporting them as they roll into, uh, and they're hungry and thirsty and all that important stuff. Okay. 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 Let's go to our first caller who is Jean in Newmarket. Welcome to the garden show, Jean. Good morning. And Charlie, you are my hero and I appreciate you. I'm a novice gardener, and you have made a successful gardener out of me by telling me to quit watering my plants. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's the idea. Everybody should be successful. <laughs> Thank you. My question is about spider plants. They're doing great now that I've quit watering them every time I decided that they needed it. Do I fertilize them? Well, they're doing great. You may not want to fertilize them because they're just going to do greater. <laughs> I like greater. Okay. Yeah, we def- it's a good, very, very good point, Gene. Per- this is it. This is when we start. Those of us that like to fertilize and, and we should fertilize our, our houseplants for sure, March is the month. Okay. I've never fertilized, but I will do it today. Yeah, just use it. In the case of spider plants, uh, an all-purpose fertilizer is all you need. It might be a 10-10-10 or a 20-20-20. Mix with water as per directions. And when it's time to water, water with the fertilized water. And certainly you can fertilize all your houseplants starting in March, once a month, right through to September. 
they water with the watering? Do I soak them down first with water and then add the fertilized water? I don't want to wash it right through. Yeah, you know what? That's actually a really good point, too. If your plants are bone dry and you fertilize them with the fertilized water, you can actually do root damage. So it is a good idea to just put some clear water on to start, moisten the soil, and then use your fertilized water to thoroughly water. You are a miracle. Thank you so much. And that's it. Bye. (laughs) I like it. Let's keep yeah. Jean on the line. I yeah, gotta get her to move, move in with me. <laughs> We're going to put her on repeat dial. We're just going to call her every week. <laughs> well, you like- know what? In in line with what Jean was saying, uh, and I've said it before on the show too. I learn something from you every week. You are so knowledgeable about all these things coming up from the ground. It's great. Yeah. Great. Right. I've been doing it for a long time. <laughs> you have. And, and, and by, oh, by the way, I was going to say happy belated International Women's Day because that think- was on Wednesday. It was, it was. Uh, I bought myself flowers. <laughs> oh, good for you. What, what did you buy? What kind of flowers? Big bunch of tulips. Nice. Yeah, That's I love great. tulips. We've yes. talked about those before. You were telling me that they are one of the only fl- cut flowers that when you put them in the vase, they, they're somehow still alive, right? Because they, they, well, they'll go towards the light. They'll bend and right. do all those things. They are actually still growing, which is very unusual. <laughs> Okie dokie. Okay. Uh, our, um, I'm, I'm going to give the numbers out one more time, but we have to go to uh, a quick break. Uh, 416-360-0740. That is the Toronto number. Uh, if you live outside Toronto, uh, here's a, a number that is toll-free, one 740 4740. We will be right back with much more on the Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we are back here on the Garden Show and, uh, Charlie, you you forwarded to me a uh, a funny funny video, and uh, in uh, you know this has everything to do with International Women's Day, and it was a, a a video put out. It was like a mock ad for a mock vehicle, but it it didn't appear that way when you first opened it for a new men's only. Uh, vehicle from Ford Motor Company, and then it it goes on to say that it has no windshield wipers and no he- heaters, and no uh, navigation system, yeah, and no brake lights or, or turn no, no signal turn signals. All these things that had been had been designed by women over the century, over the you know the last century, and so it was a very tongue in cheek ad, and 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 so very very funny. As a reminder, it was a tip of the hat to innovative women. Well, and yeah, and I, you know, kudos to Ford. I always think of them as such a stodgy company, and then they put out a pretty innovative bit of uh, bit of a commercial. Anybody who wants to Google it? Just Google Ford uh, Men's Only Ford Explorer, and it's it's, it's, very it's a thirty second commercial. It's very good. Yeah, and it's narrated by that actor Brian Cranston from uh, as it uh, from Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad, yeah, yeah. So you know the voice right away. Anyways, very, very well put together. Very funny. Yeah. Very funny. Okay, let's go to uh, let's go to Scarborough now. We have uh, we have Elizabeth on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Elizabeth. Good morning. Um, I understand it's time to cut back hibiscus. And what's the best way to start new plants? Oh, 
Perfect time, actually. Uh, if you're depending on how big your hibiscus is, this is the time of year to pretty much cut it in half if you can, uh, okay. just because it's going to grow all summer and be twice the size. Uh, if you don't prune it now, it'll be twice the size it is now, and it might be difficult to bring back inside, assuming you put it out for the summer. So any mm-hmm. any of the cuttings, any of the clippings you're taking off today or this week, uh, the the six inches, the tip six inch cuttings. Uh, keep them. This is a good side, yes. Yep, and then just remove the lower two leaves off of each of those six-inch clippings that you've got in your hand and put them in a little jar of water and roots will grow from where you've removed the, the leaves on the little bumps there on the stem. Oh, okay. So it's not necessary then to use rooting uh, compound and put them in soil first then? You could. That's an option, oh. too. The rooting hormone will speed up roots. So if you own uh, stem root number one, then yes, indeed, or two, use that. Because, again, you'll get roots faster. The reason I like putting the cuttings directly into just a glass of water is because you can see exactly what's going on. Oh, okay. You can go into soil, but you don't know when the roots start to grow. Uh, and there's a tendency to want to kind of keep pulling on them to see oh. if roots have grown, but and that's never good. So just put them in water. Within 10 days, two weeks, you should have enough roots that then you'll go into little pots with soil. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. By the way, I don't know whether it's just a neglect, but I brought three amaryllis up from the basement uh, a couple of months ago, and two are, are blooming. I had uh, uh, four orchids that a friend of mine was going to toss in the compost, put them in my east-facing uh, bay window, and they're all blooming. I can't Sweet. believe it. Oh, you've clearly got the, you've got the, the magic. Well, I think it must have been where they were and neglect a bit because I didn't even know one was booming and I sort of pulled back the curtain and I thought, oh my goodness, it was beautiful. So I brought it and put it on the kitchen table. I've got a couple of them there now, so it's really quite delightful to see them. But thank you very much for your information. Bye-bye. You're very welcome. Wow, that's a uh, that's a good news story. In line with, I think something that our first caller said, and that sometimes I think we're many of us are guilty of of overwatering, overcaring. Yeah. yeah, love kills plants faster than anything. Wow, wow, it's like it's it's like being a helicopter parent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that too much water is the number one way that house plants are killed or stressed to the point of death and you know just having too much water around the roots uh, creates uh, an environment in which the roots cannot thrive they do need air around the roots you know we don't always think of that we know plants need sunshine and nutrients and we know they need water but we don't always remember they need air as well Right. Okay. That's a good note. Good note for sure. Uh, before we go to this next caller, I we have lots of room on the lines, and we'd love for you to give us a call. If you have an indoor gardening question, if you have a, an outdoor gardening question, maybe it's a question about seeding something, or maybe it's a question about pruning something. So whatever it is, just give us a call. Uh, if you live in Toronto, the number you need to use is 416-360-0740. Or uh, if you live outside Toronto, here's a toll-free number. It's free to you anywhere if you live anywhere uh, in the province of Ontario, one 740 4740 And we have a first-time caller on the line. Uh, we have Louise from Pickering. Welcome to the Garden Show, Louise. Hi, thank you. Hi. Um, I, I want to give you your garden wings before you ask that question, oh. okay? So there you go. 
You have earned them, and we always get excited when we have first-time callers. (laughs) Okay, a couple weeks ago, um, Charlie, you'd signed off and said, well, at the end of the show, you said you were going to go and separate your jade and make a whole bunch of little jade plants and everything. Well, how do you do that? Similar to the the person we were just talking to about hibiscus, all I did was take cuttings, because pretty old jade plant, excuse me, originally it was four plants in one pot, that was 10 or 15 okay. years ago. And of course, those four plants have never been truly looked after. Uh, and they kind of grew raggedly, uh, not very pretty. And uh, so yeah. what I did is I went in and just took tip cuttings from all the different tips, uh, which oh, ended up being, yeah, about uh, 10 plants. Wow. Or more. What do you do? You put them in water first before you put them in so- in, in the pot or... Okay, so very good point. Uh, As I said to Elizabeth, hibiscus cuttings can go into water, but jade you would not put into water. The difference is is that jade plants are succulents. So the the stem and the leaves are um, designed in such a way that they hold water in their tissues. And that's why we don't water them very often. It's easy to overwater succulents. Hibiscus are not like that. Hibiscus, we water far more frequently. Um, So with the jade, no. All I did is I took a bunch of cuttings. The thing, the best way to do it is take these various cuttings, make sure that they're at least, you know, two, three inches long. Again, Mm -hmm. remove those two lower leaves with a pair of scissors, and then let those cut tips sit on a newspaper, just on a windowsill or out anywhere you want for at least 24 hours. And that, that will dry out where you've made your, your cuts. So those pruning bits will get dry, which is a good thing. And then in the case of succulents, it's a good thing. Then you'll take those cuttings and a a little rooting hormone, if you like, and then into moist soil. Okay. Well, after they dried out for a couple of days. Okay. Sorry, start again. Uh, after they've dried out for a couple of days, that's when you put them into the soil? That's right, yep. And okay. and you can buy at the, if you're buying some potting mix, there is cactus mix out there, and that mm-hmm. would be the recommended mix because that's a very well-drained mix, which is what you want when it comes to the succulents and cacti. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, easy, easy to do. Yeah, okay, thank you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the question there, Louise. And thanks for being a first time caller. And, Uh, and, you know, Dean, and you probably know this because I know you have a big jade. If you take those cuttings I mentioned to, um, to Louise, if you just sit them out on that newspaper and leave them there for a month, the roots will start to grow right there in front of you on the newspaper. Like that's the way it works with succulents like jade. The roots will grow whether you like it or not. The more likely way to kill those little cuttings again is by too much water. Putting in the water. You won't kill them with too little water. (laughs) Yeah, no, very interesting. I think so many times we've seen people rooting things in water that we automatically think if I have any kind of cutting, I have to throw it in a glass of water to make it, Mm -hmm. you know, survive. So, this that's not the case in in i guess any succulent generally speaking yes any succulent okay or cactus right we always dry them out before we attempt to transplant or divide and and repot there's always a drying out period 
Okay. Uh, let's talk about trees for a second here. I have an email here. We live in Muskoka, and in our travels around the area, uh, they've noticed that the bark on the ash trees has been stripped. She, uh, they, would, uh, they would like a, um, an explanation for this. They said they checked out the internet, and they, they, heard, they read maybe a lack of water or possibly insect bore. Um, can the trees be saved? We also noticed that woodpeckers are peeling off the bark, too, and they wonder what they might be looking for. And that is from uh, and Anne and Dieter, and they live in Muskoka, as I said earlier. And so there you go. What, what's your uh, what's your two cents on that, there, Charlie? Well, I can only assume, Anne, that what you've got going on with the ash trees is what all of us have going on for the last ten years with the ash trees, which is the emerald ash borer. So yes, it is an insect. It is a borer. It does. Um, the adult lays eggs, typically up at the top of the tree in the in the early in the season. The eggs hatch and the larvae, the baby borers, uh, are little worms and they bore through the trees. So they run long tunnels down through the inside of the trees. Woodpeckers, no question, want them, will happily eat them. If we only had enough woodpeckers to eat all the borers, life would be good. Uh, but we don't. So as a result, the ash trees die. They cannot survive the infestation of the borer. So you, you will see the odd ash that will survive. 99% of the ashes, and this is a, a very big deal in the cities because cities like Toronto had planted thousands of, of ash. This is a native ash, not a mountain ash, but an ash tree, uh, green ash, black ash, white ash. These had been planted, all, they were native and they're natural in the ravines. They had been planted as street trees and they're dead and dying. Uh, very unfortunate and nothing we can do about it. Um, there's at this point no cure. There is an injectable insecticide that costs quite a lot of money, but the odd person has been able to afford it for an individual tree on their property. And I know when I lived in Richmond Hill, the town of Richmond Hill had decided to try and save, I think, about 150 trees. So they had budgeted and put you know, people out on the street to mark the trees they were going to save. Mm -hmm. And it's at least once or twice a year they inject an insecticide under the bark uh, in an effort to prevent the boars from killing the trees. And has the insecticide been relatively uh, successful? Yes, it has been. Um, the challenge is the timing of it, uh, the maintenance of it. And remember, it's not just an, it, like it's it's all, it's, a, it's a, like a holistic thing. You have to, you recognize that obviously an insect can kill a tree, but part of it too is looking after the tree. So if we don't get rain for a month, you do have to get out there and water your trees, you know, and that's that slow trickle water, deep watering. You can't just assume that trees are good forever and ever. We don't need to do anything. Even some deep, like deep root watering, deep root fertilizing, all of these things can help, like I say, holistically to have healthy trees and then they're better able to withstand an attack from uh, an, um, an alien invader like a, like a uh, ash borer. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I have to say I'm absolutely one of those people probably guilty of not uh, thinking of watering my trees. Yeah, no, I, I know. It's true. We like we just don't even think about it. And then it's nope. so hot. You can see the ground is so dry and mm -hmm. everything is just, you know, lethargic in the middle of July because it's so hot or early August because there's been no rain. You know, yeah, we're out there obviously watering our vegetables because they need consistent water to yep. get a good crop. But we don't think about our trees. So nope. do think about them. 
Okay, it's good to put that on our radar. Okay, also on my radar are a couple of callers. Let's go to our first of the two on the line. I've got uh, Diane in uh, Dorchester. Welcome to the Garden Show, Diane. Hi, thanks for taking my call. What I want to know is about a ground cover. I have sandy soil. I want, <clears throat> pardon me, the uh, area is full sun. I want something that's uh, drought tolerant uh, and can attract butterflies. Oh, oh, and attract. I was like, oh, I know. And then I was like, oh, and attract butterflies. All right, well, okay, so butterflies are attracted to things that flower, and butterflies uh, want a plant that's flowers have a flat top, something they can land on. Uh, butterflies love that little landing pad. So a low-growing plant with a flat flower what comes to my mind right now would be a, a sedum, S-E-D-U-M. There's many ground cover sedum. And I'm flashing on something else, but I can't remember the name of it. Uh, yeah, but sedum's one of your best for sandy soil, hot, dry, well-drained. They do bloom uh, sort of mid to late summer, uh, either yellow flowers or pink flowers. And that would certainly work uh, for the butterflies. You know, you're never going to get blooming all season from a perennial plant but uh, certainly that would work and and the butterflies are very active typically mid to mid uh, summer anyway uh, so that would be that would be one that comes to mind i can keep thinking but for now that's all i've got a neighbor told me about uh, woodland flocks but i've been trying to research that and i can't seem to find it as a ground cover yeah huh and it said it grows up to about a, a foot high, she said. Right. If but we're I, thinking I, about I, the I, same thing, there is some native flocks um, that is, yeah, like I, I have it here. Like it, it kind of seeds itself all around. Uh, yes, indeed, in the sort of like a prairie kind of a plant. But it, yeah, foot high, maybe. It's a wildflower, yeah. Um, I just don't uh, want something that's going to take over the rest of my flower bed. Well, not only that, it is a plant that it, it's called woodland phlox because it thrives in woodland conditions. So what is that? That's partial shade, not full sun. It's also okay. a, a soil with a fair amount of moisture in it. Okay. I'll let you okay. go on and I'll listen to the rest of your callers. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Yep. Thanks, Diane. I mean, she could try, you know, getting a hold of some seeds. But, um, and like it says here, it will tolerate dry and clay soils. Drought tolerant once established. But I, so, I wouldn't be my first choice. Okay. Okay, okay. Uh, let's go to our next caller here. We've got Jane in uh, Georgetown. Welcome to the Garden Show, Jane. And Jane is a first-time caller. Yes, thank you for taking oh. my call. I love your show. Um, here, here are your garden wings, my dear. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, I found some daffodil bulbs in the garage, cold garage, and they were two years old. So I thought, uh, two days ago, I thought, you know what, I'm go- I want to plant them, see what happens. So I, I put them in a shallow dish, put some rocks in, put some water in, and they had already started to just um, have some green on the top. Um Overnight, they've grown by about a half inch. Uh, amazing. Now, where should I keep them? Do do I do I put them in the dark and cool, or do I put them in? I have a sunny window. Right, because they've started to grow. You'll need to give them light. Okay. Uh, 
the warmer the temperature, the taller the plants are going to get. So if okay. you can go sunny and cool temperatures, that would be optimal. Okay, sunny and cool. Yeah, that's a challenge because usually when it's sunny, it's warm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, well, thank you very much for your help. I just love your show. Thank you very much. I'm amazed that two-year-old daffodil bulbs are still alive. Oh, I was, I was la- You made me laugh. <laughs> you made me laugh again this week because as soon as, as soon as she said, "I found these bulbs in the garage for two years," and I saw your mouth drop, you went, "Oh my god!" <laughs> but there you go. There you go. She must have had them in. You've got. Uh, we have got a, a whole show of neglectful gardeners this week <laughs> who are having tremendous success. This is great. That's true. This is great. The success show. Well, yeah. I wonder if those are paperweights that she found because mm-hmm. they are narcissus, right? Right. Yeah. But she said they were in the garage. Like paperweights wouldn't survive being frozen, so I'm not sure mm-hmm. if maybe those froze along the way or not. They well, wouldn't have survived. And some people have, you know, uh, garages that are insulated, which don't quite reach that freezing point, but still get mighty, mighty cold. So, you know, might have just been the exact, you know, situation that they needed. Right. But still, the, it's amazing that they're alive after two years. I mean, yeah. I think, I'm not sure if I ever told you the story about the amaryllis bulb I gave my father for Christmas one year. No, no. And I, I didn't pot, put it in a pot. It was just this beautiful bulb. And I yeah. gave it as a present. I assumed he would plant it, which, of course, he didn't do. He stuck it in his underwear drawer and forgot about <laughs> it. <laughs> and guess what happened? It grew in his underwear drawer. No, it didn't really. It did. It flowered. <laughs> in the I underwear shocked. drawer. I was oh. like, I was at, wow. at university at the time and I was home for something and I was chatting with my mother in their bedroom as she's putting away laundry and she opened his underwear drawer and there's this red flowering thing in his drawer and I'm like, what? That's the amaryllis I gave to Oh my goodness. And there it was going round and round inside the drawer, but flowering. That is insane. Okay, only only on the garden show would you yeah. hear a story like that. <laughs> so the moral of the story is never give anybody a bulb of any kind, but particularly an amaryllis, without potting it for them first. <laughs> Very good. Okay, <laughs> uh, we will be right back on the garden show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we are back here on The Garden Show, and uh, we've got room on the lines. We have the lines are open, 416-360-0740 is the Toronto number. Or if you live outside Toronto, anywhere in the province of Ontario, here is a toll-free number, one 866-740-4740. And you might have an indoor question or an outdoor gardening question. Maybe you want to know if you can grow paper whites in your sock drawer. Here <laughs> is the place to call and talk to Charlie Dobbin. I was saying to you off the air, and I will tell you, if somebody had called in and said, I have an amaryllis growing in my underwear, I would have said, oh, come on. And I wouldn't, I don't think I would have believed them, but there you go. Yeah, but think about bulbs. A good, healthy bulb is full. It's got everything it needs. It's full of carbohydrates. It's got all the energy in the world, and it will grow, <laughs> particularly if it give it the conditions yeah. for growing, like a nice, dark, warm underwear drawer. Yeah, <laughs> and that's and that's why it's important, though, if you want to rebloom your amaryllis or anything like that. That's why it's important to not clip off those leaves too early, right? Because you that's how the goodness goes back into the ball, right? That it's like recharging it. Is it? Is it not? 
Exactly. Yeah. And that's why the same thing outside in our gardens, when the daffodils and the tulips and all the beautiful spring flowers come up and we enjoy the flowers. And then we're looking at those not so attractive leaves, which start to get paler green and mushy and ugly and straggly. And we desperately want to cut them off, but we should not cut them off. We have to leave them there until they just naturally turn yellow. And it's at least six weeks from, you know, post-flowering to let those leaves do their do their job. Okay, a little bit of photosynthesis, if memory serves me correctly. Mundo. Excellent. <laughs> okay, I have, a, I have an African violet question here that came in to you via email from Joan. I have sent, she sent you uh, four photos, all four sides of her violet. It has turned out to have two plants on one stalk. She would like to transplant into another pot as she can't water from the bottom because it's too crowded. Do you think I could somehow split this into two plants? I started a new plant from the leaf and it grew into two plants under one stock. I have received a nice African violet pot, which I would like to put it in. I hope the pictures show you uh, what she has described. This seems strange to her. So, uh, what do you what do you think? Okay, so thank you for the photographs, Joan. Yeah, it's, and we are talking about African violets here. So, uh, what's happened is it's the it's called a multi-crowned plant. The Properly, you want your African violets to grow with a single crown. So that's a single stem, leaves radiating off the stem, flowers, of course, up on the top, roots below ground. Sometimes um, African violets will send daughter plants off of the stem of the mother plant. And you, you have to watch for that because you don't want that to happen. If it happens like it did for Joan, you find you have fewer flowers and it's not a very attractive plant. It ends up being kind of a bunch of leaves and not a lot else. Now, not to be confused, there are some African violets that trail, that actually have multi-crowns because of the trailing aspect of the way they grow. But this is not one of them. This What Joan has is just a regular African violet that she didn't notice the daughter, and now they're both roughly the same size. So what you've got to do, Joan, is pull, like, be brave, lay out some newspaper, pull the entire plant out of the pot, lay it on its side, with your fingers brush away all the soil that you can, Look closely. I think what you'll find is that these two plants can easily be separated. Uh, you may need to use a bit of a, a, a sharp knife just to start the separation. But at the end of the day, you will have two separate plants. They will have their own little roots attached. Uh, and of course, they have their, their leaves, etc. Um, and then you'll pot them up separately into separate uh, pots and uh, you know water thoroughly at the time. And it may just be that the African, African violet you're growing is predisposed to this multi-crown aspect. And some are, it's just a, it's genetics, um, something you can't really control. Uh, some African violets will never send, you know, daughters off of the mother and some will do it all the time. Main thing is just keep an eye. As soon as you start to see another little sprout coming off the side, get it off the mother as soon as possible before it gets that big. Uh, and the other thing is I want to thank Rosemary Dobson, who is a consistent listener and a wonderful gardener, she reminded me or told me because I'd forgotten entirely. Last week when we talked about African violet, I referred to them as St. Paulia, but that's not true. They have been renamed, uh, you know, those fancy plant taxonomists, yep. renamed St. Paulia. It is now a streptocarpus. So it's African violet because it kind of looks, the flowers look like violets. 
it's not a real violet, but it is still commonly referred to as African violet, but it's no longer St. Paulia. It is Streptocarpus. Thank gotcha. you, Rosemary. <laughs> okay, and I also do want to just uh, a quick footnote here. Speaking of daughter plants and such, uh, Joan said at the end of her email, she said that she has been listening to you, enjoying you, following your information since you were pregnant with your daughter, she says. And so that is a few years ago. And, and <laughs> you've been, well, and you've been doing this for, for a while now. Yeah, yeah, radio not since I was pregnant with my daughter because my daughter is now 33 years old. But yeah. I have been up on stage doing my best to educate and entertain for, yes, 30 plus years. Well, good for you. So, yeah, long time listener. And she says she also uh, follows your podcast. So that's worth mentioning as well, because if you miss a show or you want to listen to it again, you can catch the podcast, right? Yeah, on AM740. Just go to podcasts. It's a little tab at the top. And of course, many shows are podcasts. Just go down to the garden show and there's the archives. There's years and years and years worth of radio shows. Okay. Have to take our next break. But when we come back, we'll have much more on the garden show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yeah, we're back here for the uh, the final uh, ins- segment of this week's installment of The Garden Show, and I have Chris on the line, and Chris is calling from Toronto. Welcome to The Garden Show, Chris. Hi there. Hey there. What do you got for Charlie there, Chris? So I just have a quick question. During the last snowstorm last week, one of my cedars, that's uh, quite a bit old, it had, from the weight of the snow, it's one of the main big branches. It snapped, um, not fully off, but in about, I'd say about half. And so the following day, I had um, put it back together and wrapped a bunch of zip ties around the uh, branch keep it together and then I put some wood um, underneath uh, a few of the branches to keep it held up um, I'm wondering if that's enough to fuse um, that branch back together it didn't break fully off it sort of cracked right through the middle and was exposed so I sort of just pushed it back together so, you know what, uh, Chris, your timing was good because when we do have a breakage like that, and particularly if it's not all the way through the branch, uh, the sooner we bring the pieces back together, the better the chances of it growing together. So that was good. Zip ties will certainly hold it firmly together, which is important, but ultimately the zip ties will kill the branch because they won't won't expand as the mm-hmm. branch needs to expand. And of course, you needed to make it fairly tight as well. The the um you said boards to hold up the other branches, so you've kind of got everything kind of being held up from that heavy snow uh, load, yeah. I guess. Yeah, we're sort of properly um, about three branches because with the zip ties the branch sort of um twists and it, mm-hmm. it sort of opens up a tiny bit even with like i have 10 zip ties around it uh, i was mm-hmm. going to use tape but I, I figured the tape i wouldn't really fully see through if um you know it, it opened back up again slightly if i tape if yeah. there was tape underneath it may stress right and even 
Well, even tape's not great because tape will trap moisture underneath it. And then again, you can have all kinds of rot start to to move in. So no, zip ties is is a good temporary solution for holding the branch together. Um, Okay, I'm just trying to think how you could best do this. The other thing that if it's a fairly, fairly large where where it did break halfway through, it's a fairly large wound. You mm-hmm. could get a hold of something called grafting wax, or even just plain paraffin, and use mm-hmm. wax. Uh, you know, heat it up so it's moist, not hot boiling, but so it's liquid. <clears throat> and then you drip the wax over the wound again, just to seal in the um, so that it doesn't completely dry out. So there's a better chance of healing to take place. And then with your zip ties, you know, you're probably okay to leave those for about six months, but I wouldn't leave them longer than that. So after that, if you need to stabilize the branch, you'll have to come up with something that's got more give. Uh, an old pair of pantyhose, um, even twine, like a, you know, a, a jute type twine, something that will give a bit and will eventually rot away would be my suggestion. And remember, yeah. you're going to do what I didn't do either this past fall, which is next fall, we're going to st- tie some string at the bottom of our cedars and we're going to spiral the string up to the top and spiral it back down to the bottom and mm-hmm. tie it off at the bottom to hold those branches when the heavy snow comes. Right, right. Okay. Okay. Okay, okay thank you. Good luck with that. Yeah, thank good you. luck with that, Chris. Yeah, that's a, a bit of a sad story there. Uh, let's quickly jump to uh, Diane from Dorchester's calling back. Let's just see if she has something really quick for us. What do you got there, Diane? Yes, um, Charlie mentioned fertilizing the trees. I have four birch and I have eight maples, so can you use the same fertilizer? And oh, yeah. when when would you do it, how often, and what form of fertilizer do we use? I'm going to go off the air, and I'll listen to you. Okay, thank you okay. so much okay. again yeah. for your help. Thanks, Thanks for yeah. that, Diane. Good, good, good question. Um, All right. There are tree spikes out there. I'm sure you've seen them. They're big chunks of fertilizer and you hammer them down under the ground. Many people love them because they find them very handy. I personally don't love them because it's too much fertilizer all concentrated in one spot. Yes, you can use the same fertilizer for your birches and your maples when I would be fertilizing in probably early June and what kind. If you know you've got a, a number of trees, you want to keep them happy, healthy, and we are having more drought, go out and buy something called a Ross R O S S root feeder, and I think it's you know Ross is the company. I don't I think that's what's still owned by them. It attaches to your hose, long probe, fertilizer reservoir on top. You put a, a um, powdered fertilizer into the reservoir and run the water, and it ejects that fertilizer about three feet down at the end of the probe, which is what we call deep root feeding. That's what I would do. And that's what I do do. Um, so thanks for that, Diane. Good question. And just quickly, yeah. uh, Diane called earlier about a ground cover for a sunny spot that attracts butterflies. I mentioned the sedum then, and I've since thought of thyme. Thyme is a wonderful ground cover, beautiful flowers, uh, smells great, and you'll get butterflies as well. Yeah, I like I like thyme as well. Another ground cover I'm going to ask you about maybe next week, I'll say this, is um, periwinkle. I like periwinkle, but I, I know you have to have shade for that. But I do have a question about transplanting that and, and uh, how okay. that works. So I'll, uh, I'll save that question for next week. Maybe I'll email you. So, so I make sure I can get it on the air. And then you can read your email. <laughs> then I can read my own email. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you right now, periwinkle is considered an invasive plant now. Oh, so it's no. it's not recommended. Okay. It's an alien invasive. 
Gotcha. Anyway, okay. thanks, Dean. We can talk more next week about that. Thank you, Carlos. Thanks to the great callers. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.